back. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 2. I did slip and say Galatians chapter 1. That's because we're going to look at Galatians 1 here in a second. But our body of our thought process tonight will be in Galatians 2. And this is a Magna Carta of Christian Liberty. Some have called the book of Galatians. It's one of Paul's earliest letters or epistles. And of course, this book is a precursor to the larger volume that we know of as the Gospel of Rome, or the book of Romans, rather. And uh, we want to look at Romans or Galatians chapter 2. I'd like to read the entire chapter, but we won't do that for time's sake. And uh, we have the first five verses here in just a moment here. If you glance over to uh, Galatians 5, 1, it's hard to, to, to define the single key verse of uh, Galatians. But if there's one that uh, stands out as a theme verse for the book, it's stand fast therefore in liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This book is a book about being set free, liberated in Jesus Christ. That salvation is all of grace and none of works, of course. And go back to Galatians 1 and just touch at verse number 6 and 7. We spent a couple, three messages looking at this truth. Paul, his whole treatise is a dismantling of legalism versus uh, liberty in Christ. That salvation is all by grace alone through, through nothing. Grace plus nothing equals salvation, of course, grace through faith. It says in Galatians 1, 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And we learned that there are no other gospels, but there, look what it says, verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that would trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Then verses 8 and 9 almost are redundant. It says, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's a strong language. You won't find any stronger language in all the Bible than that word, that, the perversion of the pollution of the gospel, of the pure gospel of Christ. Uh, Paul says those are fighting words. There's something to fight over. We preached uh, several messages. Actually, we've had some tough Wednesday nights, but we looked at the born free from, Genesis, uh, from Galatians chapter 1. Tonight, we want to kind of transition a little bit and deal with an introductory message on freedom's fight. Freedom's fight. And look at verse 1 of Galatians. I'll let you remain seated tonight as we read the scriptures. But follow along carefully as I read, please. Then 14 years after I went up to Jerusalem. Now, Paul, let me just stop there and just give you a way of uh, background. If you glance back to the preceding verses of chapter 1, when Paul was saved on the Damascus Road, uh, he went, uh, continued on to Damascus there, of course. He met Ananias, and many of you know the story. He was blinded for three days, and there he uh, ministered for a while, but then he was, he was uh, left for Arabia for three years. We think he went to the, we don't know this for a fact, but we think he might have went to what we know of today as the ancient city of Petra. And there he hibernated, and he was... Uh, uh, there he, he learned the revelation of Jesus Christ and this gospel that he learned. He didn't learn it from the apostles. He didn't learn it by man. He didn't learn it by his Judaistic religion. He learned it through Jesus Christ, direct revelation of Jesus Christ. By the way, we have over half of our, if we count the book of Hebrews, it's still, we don't know who the actual human writer is of Hebrews is, but if Paul wrote Hebrews, that would make the fact that he wrote 14 of the 27, over half of the books of the New Testament written by Paul. Certainly 13 we know that he wrote. And so he says, 
Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem, this is 17 plus years after his conversion, for the record. He went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation. In other words, the Lord directed him. And communicated unto them that the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Uh, he's re referring, and we're going to go to Acts 15 in just a minute. Most of this message tonight is an introduction message here. And uh, I want to lay the groundwork for the succeeding number of weeks ahead. He's talking about this Jerusalem Council of Acts 15, and we're going to go there in just a few moments, okay? But he goes on to say, but verse number 15, or verse number 3 rather, but neither Titus, the book of Titus, the young evangelist, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Remember, all the Jews, Jewish men were all circumcised, but Titus and Timothy were, were Grecians, and they were not circumcised. The Bible says in verse number uh, four, and that because of false brethren, I underlined in my Bible, by the way, that two-word two phrase, false brethren. Now, either you're a brother in Christ or you're not a brother in Christ. Let me make it as simple as I can. Either you're saved or you're not saved. Or we could say it this way. You're saved or, or you're truly saved or you think you're saved and you're, you're not saved. These were false brethren, the Bible calls them. And I think that in the context, it means that they were not brethren at all. They were false brethren. They were not saved. But they thought they were saved. That's a dangerous position to be in. I gave the illustration, and let me give it to you again. I, I'll leave the denomination unmentioned tonight. I could mention it. It's Wednesday night, but I won't. But for the fifth time or sixth time, I've used this illustration of when my dad was in the hospital room there in Ohio a couple months back, he was with a preacher from another Protestant denomination and 55-year pastor of a certain well-known denomination. And uh, at least his wife didn't even know that if this man was on his way to heaven when he died. You're a preacher of 55 years and you don't know if you're going to heaven. That was his case. I called him a brother, but was he a brother or not? I don't know. Lord, Lord knows. But uh, Paul says there were some false brethren crept in unawares. In Acts 20, he talks about the Ephesian elders being uh, creeping in wolves in sheep's clothing. They looked at the part, they acted the part, but they weren't. They were not saved. The Bible says, verse number four, I'm just reading to verse five now, and there, verse four once more time, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in to this council, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that we might bring us, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we, have, we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And uh, Paul said, I wouldn't put up with these people for not one hour would I put up with them. And we want to deal with this subject. In fact, it was, let me give you a quote from Elmer Davis. He was a famous veteran news analyst of uh, 70 years ago or so. It says, this, this, speaking about our country, will remain the land of the free so long as we are the home of the brave. There are some things worth fighting for. 
I say it in three words, freedom isn't free. Somebody's got to fight for it. And uh, I'm convinced that many Christians believe that fighting is always unspiritual. But Paul uses fighting words in this book. That's the premise for chapter 2 again, freedom's fight. He's going to withstand Peter to the face. Peter, the rock of the church. He's going to say, you're wrong, Peter. You're dead wrong. Shame on you. He withstood Barnabas, his best friend, his, his, the son of consolation. Barnabas was a great man, great man of God, but Barnabas messed up. And Paul withstood him to the face. Some things are worth fighting for. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm all for peace. Uh, someone has said, in fact, Dwight Eisenhower said this, I was watching a World War II uh, uh, documentary the other night. And uh, he said, I'm all for peace so much I'm willing to go to war over it. There are some things that's worth fighting a war for. There's some things that's worth going to battle for. And Paul said, and I, well, I insert to you tonight here, what is more important than fighting for the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, on the, the fighting for the pure preservation of the, the gospel of Christ? Paul said, if you believe any other gospel than that which I have preached unto you, you should be accursed. Those are strong words. There's one way to be saved, in other words. It's all by Jesus. It's all by Christ. I gave the illustration again, and I'll, we'll go to Acts 15 here for a moment and see the backdrop here. But uh, same denomination in my office just about three weeks ago. I had a nice gentleman that's trying to get to heaven on good works. And I asked him how he was going to go to heaven, and he gave me a whole process. Well, you got to believe, and you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to get baptized, and you got to, and then you got to get, got to own it, you got to earn it, you got to keep it. And I asked him for the third time. I says, "Well, how do you think I'm going to go to heaven? How do you think? What do you think I'm going to tell you?" And I, I told him it was rhetorical. I said, "I'm going to heaven by one word: Jesus, Jesus alone. Period. End of story. Done. Finished. We preach at the nursing home today. It is finished. Jesus paid it all." Salvation is Jesus Christ, of course. It's putting faith and trust and belief in Christ. But Paul, he's laying the groundwork in this whole chapter, by the way. I know we only just read the first five verses, and it's kind of a, one of the harder chapters to understand because there's a lot of background material that you need to know. As Paul's laying the groundwork for, obviously, Galatians 3, which is very, very important, where he finally is able to say, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's deceived you? You're under a satanic spell. Having begun in the spirit, are you never made perfect in the flesh? He's laying the groundwork. It takes all of chapter 2 to do it. But let's go to this Jerusalem council. Paul says back in 2.1, he says, 14 years ago I went to, uh, then 14 years after I went up to Jerusalem. So let's read about that encounter at Jerusalem. Go back to Acts 15. and I just really have an introduction and a conclusion to the message this evening. Obviously, we're on the introduction, and then we're going to go right to the takeaways and skip the main body of things here. But I want to just give you a backdrop tonight. A long chapter again, and we don't have time to read the entire chapter. It's 41 verses, about 36 deal with this Jerusalem council. Verse number one is a very key verse, however, Acts 15. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, here's what they taught them, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, 
ye cannot be saved. Now think what that's saying. Think of all these first century Jewish, or rather Gentile believers that got received Christ as Savior. Timothy at the top of the list. Timothy, was, the Bible specifically tells us he was a Grecian, he was a half-breed. He was half-Jew, half-Grecian. He wasn't full Jewish, and he, he wasn't circumcised. And according to certain of these false brethren, I can insert that, Timothy wasn't even, wasn't even on his way to heaven. We have two books in our Bible written to Timothy. Timothy, we believe, he was the elder of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, for 30 years. He goes on to say, and I have to start reading without comment because there's so much volume here, but I want you to see. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dis- dissension and disputation with them, there, there was arguments going on. And this, this, this council, by the way, we think there's four phases of this council. I don't have time now. I'm not going to take the time, rather, to try to show you the four. It was a multi-day council, evidently. It wasn't just a one-and-done deal. This is a very divisive issue in Christendom, whether you had to be circumcised in order to go to heaven or not. According to Moses, of course, under, and, and, and let me just say this again. I talk a lot about covenant theology. Covenant theology is married to allegory in the Word of God. They, they, they say, well, we christen our kids because in the Old Testament, children had to be, the boys had to be baptized, or rather, excuse me, circumcised on the eighth day. And so that was a sign of covenant blessing and relationship with God. So we sprinkle as a sign of covenant relationship with God. Where do you get that in the Bible? That's not Bible, Bible religion. That's man-made religion. That's just a marriage of a mixture of, and that's what it's called covenant theology. It's ridiculous, quite frankly. I'm just being blunt. It's Wednesday night. I can do that. Got to be a little nicer on Sunday mornings. But anyhow, back to the story. Verse number two, or verse number one, I don't think I finished, verse two, rather. And... Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Now the church had been around for 20-something years already. And they're already having this heresy coming to the church, verse number 3. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, northern Israel, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles Remember, Paul had gone on his missionary journey, Acts 13, his first missionary tour, gone through Asia Minor, where we know of today as Turkey. And they caused, they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, now they're finally in southern Israel, they're in Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there arose certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. There were these religious men, these Jews had gotten saved on the church at Jerusalem. And I have to do this quickly again for the fourth time. At Pentecost, those 3,000 people that got saved on Pentecost, what nationality were they? Help me out. Somebody help me out. What nationality were they? They were all Jews, weren't they? They were from different different provinces, but they were all Jewish. It was a Jewish, later on, Grecians, half-Jews, came into the mix, Acts chapter 6. Remember the story? There were 
I'm just talking slang now, but you know, to use slang language, they were considered by the Jewish Jewish people half breeds, half Jew, half this, half that, half the other thing. Kind of like most of us, all of us in this room, are all a little bit of pardon the dog expression. We're all a little bit of mutt, you know, got a little bit of everything in us, you know, and uh, and that's how these. But these were this was a purebred church overall of Jews, and uh, but Gentiles have been getting saved for the last twenty years. And it says, verse number four, uh, verse number five, but there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, these, these Gentile new believers that had been circumcised, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. It's not enough to be saved. You've got to keep some laws. Now let me... Alexander Campbell, I'll give you a history lesson. Alexander Campbell in the 1820s in Kentucky was a very famous, eloquent, fiery Baptist preacher. The Baptists from uh, North and South Carolina and Virginia, of course, migrated into the West at that time into Kentucky, and Alexander Campbell was a great Baptist preacher. Alexander, he was also a very scholarly man from what I understand, but he adopted... He, he, he fell into heresy, and he became like one of these Pharisees. He said, but you need to be baptized. There's four verses that we could look at. I don't know, I'm going to take the time tonight. Uh, believe and be baptized, and thou shalt be saved. You need to be baptized if you're going to be a, be a, a true Christian, if you're truly going to get every sins washed away. And so he started what was known as the followers, hundreds of preachers, Baptist preachers, by the way. They became Campbellites. And they eventually became known as the Church of Christ. Today we have two major branches of the Church of Christ. We have the instrumental branch and the non-instrumental branch. And there's thousands of churches across America. We have right in Torrington, Connecticut. We have uh, Church of Christ affiliate church. And there's all Campbellites. And they said, no, you've got to be baptized too. They were just like these Pharisees right here that we read about. And Paul is going to, he's going to stand against this big time. He's going to fight against this that's the whole treatise of Galatians is written against this, against this polluting of this pure gospel of Christ. But let me finish the verses here. We're going to read 12 for time's sake. I'm talking about Acts 15 now. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. They were confused themselves. Well, maybe I thought it was just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, but maybe we do got to be circumcised. And when there had been much disputing Peter rose up and said amongst them, men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and be, believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, he knows for, with the, by the way, with the Romans 10, 9, for with the what man believeth unto righteousness? With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Christianity is an affair of the heart, not of the flesh. And we receive Jesus into our heart. We sing in the nursing home today, into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. We want us to call upon him in our heart. But back to this, the reading here. Uh, last part of verse 7. For among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. 
And God, which knoweth the heart, spareth them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And Paul's referring, referring or rather Peter is referring to that great white sheet vision of Acts chapter 10, where God made it known to him that, remember when Peter said he wouldn't eat some unclean animals, and God said, eat what God has called holy, call not thou unholy. I'm paraphrasing. Peter was revealed, Cornelius, remember, some of you remember the night uh, it was brought up tonight here, the night I played the, the day, Sunday I played at Centurion years ago. And uh, that was a takeoff on Acts chapter 10. And uh, Gentiles came into the body, not having been circumcised, but came into the body of Christ, that is. They, were, they received the Holy Spirit. Notice verse number nine, says, it's a very key verse. And put, Peter says, and put no difference between us and them, us being Jews, them being Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, a concludatory word there, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Verse number 11 is a great verse. If you're there, Acts 15, 11. Let's read it together. Ready? Here we go. Ready? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they now look what Peter said. He said, but we believe. Peter was a full-blooded Jew. Oh, Galilean, yes, that's true. Second rate to the Jews, the southern Jews from, from Judah and Benjamin. They were, they were, they were purebred, purebred, purebred. And uh, Peter wasn't so purebred, but he was close enough. He was full Jew. And he said, but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we, that's us Jews, shall be saved, even as they, as those Gentiles that were saved. Interesting. And the, the chapter goes on. But let's go back. We've, we're running out of time here. We only have a few minutes. So let's go back to Galatians 1 and make some con conclusive uh, uh, takeaways, as I call it, on the worksheet. I've already read verse 5 of uh, Galatians 2. Look at verse number 11 of Galatians 2. It says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, that's of Pisidia, by the way. Uh, there's several Antiochs, but you that know your biblical geography. I withstood him, Paul says. I, Paul, stood against him. I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. So here's the takeaway here, and I, I've left off a lot here. I want to just get to, let's see, five, uh, five uh, takeaway thoughts this, this evening. Now, takeaway thought number one, some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth fighting over. Paul got in an argument with Peter, the great apostle, the rock of the church, as some call. Now, Jesus is the rock, we know that, but Peter's name means a rock, of course, small rock. Peter was a spokesman for the apostles. And God said to, and Peter said, uh, let me try that one more time. Paul said to Peter, and he stood him to the face, he says, you're wrong, Pete. Pardon the language. I think he called him Pete, you know, I'm guessing. <laughs> you're wrong, I love you in the Lord, but you're wrong. The fighting words. Don't you tell me for one second that you have to be, these Gentiles have to be Judaized. And Peter took the rebuke, by the way. By the, by, by the way, take the rebuke when, when, when uh, someone steps on your toes and you're worthy of it, take it. And Paul said, you're wrong. Some things are worth fighting for. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth fighting for. And then verse number 12 in Genesis, or Galatians chapter 2 
it goes on to say these words, for before that certain came from James, that's the half-brother of Jesus Christ, the author of James the book, he did eat with the Gentiles, that's Peter. He ate with the Gentiles before Peter, James came, up, came along, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them that were of the circumcision. Peter went and he ate and had fellowship with these Gentile believers, but then when James and the brethren came along, he says, oh, I don't have anything to do with them. You ever play that game? I'm tattling to myself on purpose this, this evening. I'm going to tattle to all you people. I don't want you to know this, so I'm going to tell you because I want you to know this because I don't want you to know this. And you say, <laughs> so I'm looking at, I've been invited to go to a conference of a, to a church that's not a Baptist church. And I'm thinking, my first thought was, if I go to this, my Baptist brethren are going to find out that I went to this conference that was not from a Baptist church, and that, would be, that wouldn't be too good. And I got to thinking, I'm just like Peter. I'm worried about what the brethren might think. I'm worried about uh, what you might think, what others might think. And I, the more I look into it, I say, you know, I think this could be helpful. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of good things I could learn and be good. I wish they were Baptist, but they don't have Baptist in the name, but that's another story. But I'm afraid of what the brethren might think. Paul said, or well, let me give you bullet point number two. What we believe determines how we behave. And there's a lot of, lot of preaching that goes in that. Peter behaved one way when there were, certain people were looking and another way when other people were, were looking. What we believe, listen, I want to run with the crowd. Here's the truth to be told. I want to run with people that, that and associate with people that have the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. That you're saved by grace and grace alone. By the way, that conference I'm going to, that I'm, I just said I'm going to, there's a Freudian slip, I'm not sure if I'm going to it yet, but I think I'm going to go to it. <laughs> they believe that salvation is by grace alone. And, uh, but what you believe determines on how you behave. Well, i got to hurry, I'm looking at the clock. Number three, even when we think of Barnabas, we haven't looked at all the verses in Galatians 2, when we think of Barnabas and we think of Peter, two great men of God, but here's bullet point number three, even the best can be confused about spiritual truth. That's why Jude 3 says what it says, we need to earnestly contend for the faith. If I'm wrong about something, I want to be challenged on it. I want to be called out on it. I want somebody to love me enough to tell me the truth. Or tell me where I might be erring. And all God's people said, well, thank you, all three of you want me to be corrected properly. <laughs> you should want that too. We, we should, uh, even good people can be misled. And I think of many people in the Bible that we could, many great saints of God. We led misled about spiritual truth. Then verses 15 to 17, just glance at 15 for sake of time. It says, who are we who Paul's talking now, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, i got to read 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we which believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Paul says, listen, it's not, my righteousness didn't come by the fact that I'm a Jew by nature. Nobody, let's just pick on us Baptists for a minute. Let's pick on Harvest Baptist Church. My greatest fear, I've said in many years, as being a pastor of our assembly, is thinking that people have slipped in under the wire and they've become members of Harvest Baptist Church and are not members of the, the, the roles of heaven. 
Think about that. How terrible that would be. Or you're a good Baptist. Are you, are you saved? You know, are you a good Jew? Are you saved? No, salvation comes by grace alone. Well, the bullet point is this. Jews can be saved by the same way Gentiles get saved. See, sometimes we reverse that. You would expect Paul to say that, well, in order to be saved as a Gentile, you've got to become like a Jew. No, guess what? Those Jews, in order for them to be saved from their religion, they've got to be saved like Gentiles. They've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ just like you and me, me, me did. He came in on his own, and his own received him not, but as many as he received him, and them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even in them that believe in his name. Jews get saved. Now, let, me, let me say it another way just so you understand. Jews, this is not a racist statement, it's just a statement of fact. They get the privilege of joining the Gentile church. And Marty Schott says, amen, that's good preaching. I like that. It's not that I think I'm better because I'm a Gentile. It's just that salvation is offered to all men. Even Jews can get it. Even Jews can be saved. And so Paul's playing a little bit of role reversal of psychology. Hey, us Jews, we can even become like these Gentile Christians. We can be saved all by grace and be liberated in Christ Jesus all the way. Then, uh, I want to get you out on time. I wanted to turn, we'll, we'll look at it next time we look at these lessons here. Ephesians 2, 11 to 16, let me give you the point. And we see this, I read about the Acts Council 20 years after, over 20 years after the uh, Pentecost. The church is already having problems. Jerusalem was mainly a mainline Jewish church. It's too bad all the race division that we have in our country, it's getting, it seems like it's getting worse, it's not getting better. It's a shame, it's too bad, it's sad. But the churches were, there was never God's intention, and according to Ephesians 2, 11 to 16, and other verses is where there was never meant to be two Christian churches, i.e. a Jewish church and a Gentile church. Yeah, be careful, but I'll give you the illustration. We had, uh, we had uh, some folks visiting our church not too long ago, a year or two, three years ago, whatever it was now. And uh, they got mixed up in marrying the Old Testament with the New Testament and Judaism, and they, they said, we've got to adopt some of these Ju- Judaistic principles. Hey, you want, you want to eat good meat and not eat swine meat? It's good for you. It's smart for you. Uh, God bless you. But stay away. Don't touch my bacon. Amen. <laughs> I'm bust. I'm just having fun with you now. Don't mess with me and my shrimp, you know, cocktail, you know. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a liberty, you understand. It's probably better if you don't eat shrimp. It's probably better if you don't eat bacon. And probably there's some Judaistic practices in Old Testament law that if you live by it, it might help your life a little bit and, and regulate your life and so forth. But it has nothing to do with salvation, nothing to do with making you a good Christian. It just uh, might help you in other areas of your life. So... Uh, and the church was in danger of splitting. And we got splits going on in Christianity today that shouldn't be there. And God never intended that. He, we were meant to be one body in Christ, all loving one another, red and yellow, black and white, rich, poor, bond, free, man, woman, boy, or girl, Jew, Gentile. It makes no difference. Same Lord over all is rich and all that call upon him. I want to have a rich church, a poor church. No, I don't want to have a poor church. I want to have a rich church. I'm teasing. Uh, People, people on the low economic scale, people on the middle economic scale, people on the high economic scale, 
people of different ethnicities, all the way across the board. That's the church that Jesus Christ shed his blood for. Lastly, I'm, I'm over time. Uh, let me just read the point. Verse 19 of the text of Genesis, or like you've seen Genesis, Galatians 2. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I may live unto God. And verse number 20, that famous verse, the law kills us, the gospel gives life. Uh, it's a silly illustration, but it just, so my, my grandson, he, uh, you know, when you're trying to work under the law, you never can measure up. You never can arrive. You, you never can, uh, you don't feel good about yourself when you're always being defeated, but uh, when in Christ there's grace. In Christ there's liberty, there's life, there's happiness, there's joy. So my, my son, my grandson, I got to end with a grandson illustration. Bradley's wrestling now. He's wrestling on Saturdays. He's in this wrestling club. He's been for the last several months. And so he, he beat up a kid. Uh, I say he beat up. He wrestled a kid twice on Saturday, whipped him both times. And, uh, and at the end of the meet, uh, the boy started crying. And uh, I felt, uh, I didn't even know who this boy was. I felt bad for him. He didn't measure up. It's all work. It's all, he didn't, didn't measure up to the, the high standard and he feels defeated. A lot of people get, I'm all for sports, but sometimes kids, boys and girls both, they get beat up and they feel like they don't measure up because they didn't, they didn't make the mark, so to speak. And sometimes when we, we live, we're in a competition, a wrestling competition, and we're trying to strive. I don't know if the illustration fits. I have it fitting in my mind somehow. But we're trying to measure up to God's high standard. We can never do it. We're going to be defeated. It's going to lead us to cry, if you will. But when we know that the Father loves us, hopefully that, that boy that got beat twice, he's got a mom and dad, hopefully, that love him and say, hey, son, that's all right. The way to get strong is to, you've got to get beat from time to time. And uh, we, are, we have liberty in Christ Jesus, and we're already, we've already, he performed it all. We just are dead to, dead to self, alive in Jesus Christ, which Galatians 2, 2 tells us. Well, let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you that we're free from the law. Oh, happy condition. Lord, once for all, Jesus died for us, and we thank you for that. Lord, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Lord, maybe there's someone here that needs to receive Christ as Savior tonight. Spirit of God, do what only you can do in their heart. And Lord, maybe there's someone here that needs to quit striving and worrying about what others may think of he or she. Lord, just help us to rest in the liberty that we have in Christ Jesus. Not the liberty to licentiousness, but the liberty to do what we ought to do because of the power of Christ that works in us. Pray blessed in our moments of invitation in Christ's name. Amen. Let's take our hymn book and let's turn to 100 and, or 425 it is. Phoebe Bliss is talking.